0: So that one was hell. And especially because the client, like, you know, she had no insight. She was like, well, what do you mean? And like, you know, so it was painful on top of doing all the things you were doing to be spoken to, like, we'll just do your job. Right, so, right. But, you know, I got it done. And at the end of the day, the client's the client, but that realtor was like, wow, like, I cannot believe you got that done for us. Like, thank you so much. So,
1: right. So in that case, the realtor really becomes the client because that kind of client yeah. probably you don't want to have.
0: Yeah, I don't. (laughs) Yeah,
1: send me all your difficult friends. I really want to work with all them. Yeah, exactly. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to Island B Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, we talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's crazy competitive market. Today on the show I have Jessica Shea. She's been a mortgage broker since June 2020. And in her first six months, she funded 20 mortgages. In 2021, was her first full year. She funded 49 mortgages, which is excellent. And previously she had a hair salon and has a background as an entrepreneur. And so we talk about how did you transition? Because it's not always easy to transition from you're trusted as one thing to being trusted as another. And Jessica did a marvelous job of that. I asked her about, you know, where did she have files that she had challenges with and how she solved them? Because again, as a new person, you're gonna run into situations you can really only learn underwriting one file at a time or really get good at it and so she shares an example of that. And then at the end I talked to her about like what her biggest challenge is right now and she said she's not sure if she should hire. so should she hire should she not hire? And we dive into that and I give her some advice on basically three different scenarios that she can look at and when she should look at hiring and how she can get her business from 50 mortgages a year to 100 as quick as humanly possible. So before we jump into this, so I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed for mortgage brokers, really easy for the client to use. It's got smart docs, so it knows as the client's filling it out what you need to collect. When you go to submit the file, it's got the lender guidelines there, so if you choose the lenders telling you the guidelines. You can make sure that you haven't missed anything, and then it's connected to lender spotlights. So you can search all the guidelines and the rates to see where you should send it. Fantastic program! Check out finmo.ca. Check out this conversation I have with Jessica. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me.
1: So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from.
0: So, I'm from Courtenay Lakes. I was born and raised. I'm outgoing and probably could be described as a little bit stubborn. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always had my own business as long as I've been an adult working and I have two boys that are two and four years old.
1: And so, where exactly are you in Ontario? Because the name of a place I have never heard of. So, So where is it? So,
0: I am in Omimi, which is a very small town in between Lindsay and Peterborough, neither of which are big places (laughs) either. But those would be our two hubs. So, Okay.
1: What were you doing before you got into the mortgage business?
0: So, before I was in the mortgage business, I was actually doing hair. I was a hairstylist. I worked at a fairly big, well-known salon in Peterborough for quite a few years. And then when I had kids, I actually went off on my own and ran my own business. So that's what I was doing.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. And then, so what made you go from being hairstylist to becoming a mortgage broker?
0: If I'm being honest, I was just bored. I um, had done a few things in the last few years of my career. I ended up applying to be a board member on the College of Trades and quickly learned that politics is not my thing. I mean, it was great, but yeah, I wasn't into that. And I just kind of started exploring other things that I could do to be challenged. And then we bought a house and we went through a very trying time with our trusted bank, trying to get a mortgage and it was about eight months of struggles and you know false promises and eventually we were advised to call a mortgage broker who I'd actually known him since I was little and I called him thinking you know you call them when you can't get a mortgage anywhere else and within two weeks we had a mortgage with you know brick and mortar bank no questions easy done and then i called him and said like you know that was amazing thank you like what do we owe you and he said nothing so I thought, you know, he'd done us a favor or whatever. And I just looked more into it, listened to the podcast. And I thought, this is amazing. I don't know why everyone doesn't use a mortgage broker. Like, right? I they don't like, know what is- they don't
1: know though, right? And they
0: don't know. And I thought, all I have to do is educate people on what this is. It's an amazing service. Like, right. So, so you
1: made, it was your own pain that kind of led you to find a solution. And then you're like, Hey, more people can use this. So when was that? When did the transition happen? So specifically, when did you kind of go, okay, from hair salon? So-
0: Yeah, I didn't tell anyone, like I told no one, Um, you know, and I thought about it, and I evaluated it. And then finally, I kind of presented it to my husband and said, you know, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. And it was kind of like, you know, okay, you're going to totally change careers. But at the same time, he's always just trusted me because I've always kind of been, you know, I get bored and I move on and I need a challenge. So we thought, okay, if you think, you know, this is what you want to do, then I support it. And the other crazy thing is I looked into what I needed to do. And I mean, I think at the time I had like maybe a two month old, three month old, and I was like, I can do this course online. So Anyways, I started doing the course, and then, like I do everything, I, you know, pedaled to the metal, just wanted to get it done. You had, I think, a year or six months or something to complete it, but I just pushed right through it. Interviewed brokerages before I even wrote my exam, and yeah, and then my exam got held up by COVID. <laughs> right. So I had to hit pause for a little bit, which was painful, but...
1: And then, so COVID came, so that obviously affected your salon, right? So you're, yeah, because you were kind of going through this process right when COVID first came out in 2020. So then how long from when COVID sort of hit and everything locked down before you actually got your license?
0: So everything locked down in March, I got my license in June. So okay. it was painful. I was emailing them almost weekly to be like, you know, when are you getting this online? Let me go, option? let me go, let me go,
1: let me go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And probably you did, but did you do this full-time or did you go into a full-time. part-time? Right. Both feet. Right.
0: Because even in the time I wasn't licensed, I was reaching out to people and telling them. And I was like, I can't help you yet. But if you can wait till June. It's like a trailer for a
1: movie. It's coming. But you can't see the movie yet. Sort of thing. So you've had a fantastic, like we were talking earlier, you did 20 mortgages in that first six months and 49 mortgages last year, which is amazing. And when I asked you where your business came from, you said a lot of it was from your people that were your clients, your hair salon clients. So. Um, And not everybody has this level of success to take whatever that current thing is and have people trust them. I trust you as my hairstylist, but do I trust you with my money? So why do you think people were so quick to be like, yeah, I'll trust you with that. I'm just curious. What do you think?
0: I think it had to do with probably the person I am, the people that. I had in my chair some of them I had five years 10 years you know they'd watch me growing up they'd watch me have kids they watched me get married they knew you know things that have gone on in my life they talked to me about financial things behind the chair or real estate I think because my dad was a realtor so everyone felt like they could ask me <laughs> real estate questions, questions. Right, right
1: so you had these and conversations right
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's just one of those things that they knew me and trusted me. And I was lucky enough that they kind of gave me the opportunity, a few of them, right? One was a realtor in particular, I work with all the time now. And, you know, she threw me a bone right in the beginning of my career. And I worked my butt off to prove to her that, you know, I was going to be her person. And, you know, it's still happening today. So, it's kind of one of those things that I got a few people who were like, you know what, go ahead, do this. And then when I did it, they were like, you're as great as we thought you were going to be. Now we're telling everyone. So
1: yeah, you had enough people kind of give you a shot and then they trusted you and told other people and then it just sort of spread from there. So that's fantastic because when I was a paramedic and I became a mortgage broker, I did not have a lot of success with my paramedic. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Scott, they're like, you're like, So kudos to you for being able to make that transition. Is there anything else that you did that you felt helped get your business going when you started, like other than your existing relationships or any other things that you did that were helpful?
0: To be honest, it was tough. Like I had plans of, you know, getting together with certain people, connecting with certain people. And because of COVID, like I was really in the thick of it. So I actually hated it. But what I had to do was reach out to people over like, social media or email and say, you know, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. You know, if you ever had a client that you felt like I could help, I love if you gave me the opportunity. And basically that's all I did because I couldn't say, Hey, do you want to meet for coffee or run into them? You at couldn't the do the store. relationship
1: thing I, because no. it was all taken away from us for a while there.
0: Yeah. yeah, so it was very bizarre because I am a pretty like social person and living where I live, I mean, you can go out anywhere and run into five people you know and talk to them. And right. so it was weird. Like that was uncomfortable for me. I mean, ultimately, obviously, social media is a great <laughs> tool and it allows you to get out there and spread so, the word. Okay,
1: uh, let me follow up a question to that. So when you say social media, what platform did you find was the most effective for connecting with? And these people, you weren't strangers. These are people that you knew somehow and you were just using social media to reconnect, am I correct? Or were you connecting with strangers too?
0: So I guess back to your other question, cause I kind of forgot I did this. So I had probably, I mean, 600 hair clients that I had to send a long, heartfelt message to say, I'm no longer your hairstylist, but this is what I'm doing. And I spent a lot of time writing that message. So, you know, that was me talking to almost 600 people about what I was doing. And for the most part, it sparked a conversation. They were like, oh my gosh, can't believe you're doing this. And then because of that, I have social media that already had You know, people I know, but then also that network of hair. So I just kind of transitioned my own personal network into my social media. And, you know, I did a few things like, you know, tag someone who's buying a house this year or, you know tag someone who could use to buy a cottage or something and then you know you do things like that and then you see other people and you follow them they follow you and you just did you actually
1: get anything from those from saying tag a friend who's buying a house or tag if somebody who needs a cottage
0: yep yep i've never actually you.
1: see i'm actually not very good on social media people think i'm on it all the time but it's usually not even me somebody's doing it for me you know right. please don't judge me that's a pretty clever idea actually
0: Um, Yeah, so it wasn't super profitable. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, definitely do that. That's the highest investment. Hey,
1: it takes two minutes.
0: Yeah. And it just connected me with people. So say there was one girl who was like, yeah, I'm buying a house and she started following me. She's going to see all my stuff. And potentially if she shares anything, then her friends are going to see it, which theoretically, if she's at the age where she's doing that, like yeah, like, that, her so, network yeah, like they're
1: all in the same kind of bracket. So yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. Was there any point you questioned like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Was there any point you were like,
0: so if I'm being honest, no. Honestly, I love it. I feel like I have made the best decision. I love how it's different person to person. I love that every file is a puzzle, like the harder, the better some days, but I do get burnt out. But there was times in the beginning, especially when, well, even still when, you know, the underwriting piece of it, and I'm like, how am I ever going to know this? You know, I could call my mentor and be like, what about this? And he just seems to know you know, all the ins and outs of all these policies. And I'm like, I'm never going to get there. But even today compared to then, there's so much stuff that once you practice it, you mm-hmm. it does come to you naturally. Like you do learn little niches and things like that. So,
1: right. And yeah, I always find underwriting is one of those things that you have to learn file by file because there's so much nuance, right? It's like, yeah, you just can't memorize the guides. And then when you look at the file, go, oh, I know which one to use. It's like, no. And it's part art too. That's what I always say. It it's is. Like, because yeah. you ask five different underwriters how to put a file together, you get four different answers. You'd be like right. they won't all be exactly the same. Because if it was binary, they wouldn't need us. If it was just no. one plus one is two, is so it like, oh, fill out the form, there's your mortgage? It's like, no, no, hold on. Like you said, when your property with there's some uniqueness to it, all that creates complexity that is very challenging to navigate. So
0: Yeah.
1: That kind of leads me to my next question. So can you think of a file that when you started out that you lost But now looking back, you'd be like, oh, because new people, they always suck. It always happens. But I love when we can share this because then hopefully somebody else can avoid the situation. So that'd be awesome if you could share one.
0: So I was thinking about this and there was quite a few files in that first six months that I was basically told to walk away from like dead ends. And, you know, I was spending way too much time on them. None of them I actually didn't get done. Some of them I got done recently and I've had to like give them all the things they needed to do and left them, but none of them I didn't get done. There was a situation where I was doing my first stated income file and I sent the underwriter the T4s.
1: Yeah, you're like oops.
0: So that was a foot in the mouth. But again, I just had to switch lenders. So the lesson there is, if it's a
1: stated income, don't send the income to the lender. Do not send
0: anything. Basically, don't don't send them anything unless they ask for it. Okay. So that was a big learning one. Like I was like, wow, okay, I just blew that up. Like yeah.
1: Yeah, you threw a hand grenade in that file. Okay, so give me an example of something that you were told couldn't be done, but you just you know stubbornly stuck at it and
0: found a way. There was a client who was a nightmare. I actually, I think I got referred her to me from a credit union. They couldn't help her and I've developed a relationship with them. And so they referred her to me and, you know, she was a nightmare. The property was a nightmare. There was junk all over it and whatever. And the realtor had a two week closing. It was last summer. It was like mental. Banks were mental. Lawyers were mental. And I was told like, there's no way you're getting this done. I got it done with First National. Thank goodness. And right. you know, it shout was a to, fight. Break. Shout out to First Nat. Woo, woo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were, if you're listening, honestly, yeah. So that one was hell, and especially because the client, like you know, she had no insight. She was like, well, "What do you mean?" And like you know, so it was painful. On top of doing all the things you were doing to be spoken to, like, "We'll just do your job." <laughs> so, right, right. But. You know, I got it done, and at the end of the day, the client's the client. But that realtor was like, "Wow, like I cannot believe you got that done for us. Like, thank you so much." So right,
1: so the, in that case, the realtor really becomes the client because that kind of client yeah. probably you don't want to have.
0: Yeah, I difficult, don't. The- <laughs> yeah, send me all
1: your difficult friends. I really want to work with all them.
0: Yeah, exactly. There was a file that was like, I just have to share because it was wild. Perfect storm, client, rural property, stated income, log home. Their business actually builds beautiful log homes. I still haven't gotten it done. I cannot find a lender for it. And it haunts me. But they've referred their kids, sisters, cousins, whatever to me since, but they're always in the back of my mind. And I was like, I will get your file done one day. I just can't get it done.
1: Right. Yeah. That's a lot of like real property, stated income, log home, adding a grow up. And oh my gosh, you I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, like totally yeah. screwed. It's
0: a yeah. trifecta
1: of hard. Okay. So what did you find more difficult, the sales or the underwriting? For underwriting.
0: You? Underwriting, okay. underwriting for sure.
1: So when you got into this, how long did it take you to replace your business income from your salon? I'm well, curious.
0: Being a business for self person to replace my income on paper didn't take too long to actually like replace my, full wages from before I had kids, when I was working five days, probably in my first six months, I made what I would have made. in a And year. so
1: last year that you made more because in 2021, you did even better, right?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Like
1: better than, okay. So let me ask you, what does your family and your husband think of this new thing, like what you're doing and stuff? I'm curious.
0: To be honest, I don't know. Like my husband knows I'm busy and I'm doing well i don't think it overly surprises him like he's he's, he's not like very yeah, proud okay. of me. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but i don't share it like my friends know i'm busy they know i'm doing well right. my family does too but yeah. i don't overly share it yeah you're not
1: like hey check out my pay stub i get that yeah
0: okay <laughs> i just
1: it's an amazing industry and it's difficult it's very challenging but it does pay really well too so sometimes people are like wow it's a big shift So I have a question for you. So like, what were some of the things you think were helpful for you to get this business going so quickly, I think it's a pretty exceptional result to get to that many mortgages that quickly, really from a cold start. So the one thing you touched on was you tapped your existing network to let them know so the 600 people, that's an advantage for sure. But that doesn't always work, right? Some people have that advantage, but they can't make the transition. So what are the things that you do?
0: So for me, I just answered all the questions. Like I find even still today I have, especially first time home buyers, you know, they're always apologizing to me, being like, I'm sorry this is a stupid question or I'm sorry to bother you again. And I do, I take the time to answer every single question. And if they have no questions then I linger on the line and start asking them. things (laughs) Um, Because I know they do, which most new agents are, but I'm just literally available anytime. Like, you know, if you can't sign paperwork till 830 at night, that's fine. That works for me too. My kids are in bed. I'm working. So yeah, just being flexible, being available and just making them feel comfortable. Like money is such an uncomfortable topic and it does not need to be. And there's no judgment. Like you know, you can tell me anything and ask me any question. And if I don't know the answer, I'll figure it out for you. And we'll, right. we'll get there.
1: We have a saying in our family, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. And so we've talked yeah. about a lot of things that are like, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. And then we just yeah. go, like, it's whatever that <laughs> is. Right. So yeah. that's a really good way to look at it. Okay. So I can actually see some rapid fire questions. So what's one thing people can't find it away from Google?
0: probably that i live on a hobby farm so do mortgages have the kids but in any of my free time i am doing farming activities gardening so what
1: do you farm what type of farm is it
0: it's like a funny farm we have chickens ducks cows uh horse we have a miniature horse we have a donkey a little little bit of everything a little handful of everything (laughs) right (laughs) yeah did you say a
1: miniature donkey
0: uh we have a miniature horse we have a donkey and then you know regular size horse
1: (laughs) have you ever heard of fainting goats
0: yes yeah. I, if
1: you want to look something up that's hilarious i'm telling you guys look up fainting goats they basically when they get scared they faint i can't even imagine like the purpose of this but it is the funniest thing to see these goats run get all stiff and then just fall over they just faint
0: all it's over like, yeah
1: yeah they're that, on my awesome. list they're on they're your on list, on my so, yeah, list. That, that would be
0: awesome
1: okay what's a movie everybody should watch at least once
0: this one was a tough one but i'm gonna have to say pretty
1: woman right okay yeah. what are three digital programs you can't run your business without
0: So it's funny, this is how I operate my business now. So like I feel smoothly, but the online app, the online app, as soon as I have a phone conversation with someone, which I end the phone conversation by texting them the link to the online app and gives me, you know, solid foundation to go from there. There's a lot of phone calls that people don't even, you know, they don't take the time to go to the app. So to me, then I know it's a waste of time, right? If you're not going to take 10 minutes to give me your name, birth date and, Whatever, then you're not serious.
1: I would ask a follow up question that like, sometimes people feel like you're working together, but you're not, right? Like, so yeah. you've already determined that, hey, if you're not going to do this little thing, I see a paw sticking out in the background of your screen oh. there. Yeah, <laughs> that's my dog. dog. Um, yeah. But uh, if they're not going to do this a little bit, you're not really working together. It's like they haven't yeah. committed. So, okay, that's really good. And so, what do you do if you send them the app? How do you follow up? What's that look like? Or do you just let them go? You know?
0: So, like I said, I have that initial phone conversation. I find a lot of the younger generation, they don't want to talk on the phone, to be honest, like they want text or email, but I force it on them. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. let's schedule a call. So we do that call and it's not very like formatted, right? It's just me talking to them. What are you doing? Why do you want to do it? What's the problems? Basically, why are you reaching out? So at the end of the call, I tell them, I'm going to send you an online app takes about 10 minutes, you know, to do blah blah and it's very few people that don't but the people that don't I'll maybe send them an email the following week or text and say hey just notice you hadn't done the app like just wondering if you're still interested in whatever and usually like they say you know something's happened and they're putting it on the back burner or whatever I don't really stress about it because for the most part people do it but if and they don't you got to move on because you I and, just move on yeah, yeah. yeah yeah okay but nicely because then you never know right they
1: might come back okay so you said the online app what program are you using for that
0: so it's through velocity
1: okay so then what other programs do you so velocity is one I so said these velocity, are short answer questions, but sometimes I can't help myself. I have to ask follow-up <laughs> questions. So I'm like, this is my thing. Okay. Velocity, what yeah. are the two tools?
0: So Velocity, that online app, then leads to, I actually discovered a company called File Complete. I believe they're based out of Montreal. They have been amazing. So as soon as I get the online app, I tell the clients to ensure they have their social insurance number on it. As soon as I get the online app back, I can send them the consent from file complete within like minutes they just have to sign it on their phone it sends me two to three years of t4s noas and statements of accounts done and
1: do you get that on all files
0: all files unless of course they're like not tech friendly and then right unless they're like seniors
1: or something it's like yeah yeah. I can't get it to work. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, that's my senior yeah. voice. That's
1: going to be my voice one day. So I better not make fun of seniors. No, uh, okay, my so
0: reverse mortgages are like the most time consuming.
1: Uh, <laughs> velocity, file complete. And then what's the third tool?
0: Third tool would be like DocuSign.
1: Okay. That's nice. And then what's your best advice you received as a new mortgage broker?
0: Just that you kind of touched on earlier, my mentor told me that, you know, we're paid very well for what we do. So, you know, don't cut corners, don't assume that the easy files are always going to be there kind of have attentiveness to each file, regardless of who they are or what the situation is. And just be mindful that, you know, you are paid well, and you should be working on things very hard for people. So
1: Right. That's really good. Knowing what you know now, is there anything you do different if you're starting over?
0: I would do my CRM right from day one. <laughs> right. I had lots of brokers tell me like to do it early on and I put it on the back burner and yeah.
1: So one of the things that you and I were chatting about prior to this was that how do I know when I should get an assistant? So I can give you some thoughts on this because you are doing fantastic. So the general rule is five close mortgages a month on average. So what you're pretty close to, right? You did 50 last year. The paperwork is gonna start piling up to the point where you're not gonna be able to continue to do the proactive parts of your business. Now, some people will go farther than five and people listening may, me, well, I did eight. Well, good for you. 10 is gonna like, you will pull your hair out, right? If you get right. that number. So in terms of hiring a part-time assistant, there's three different ways you can think about this. So first you could, if possible, could you share somebody with someone else? So you don't have to go out and find your own person. Can you get a few hours a day where they can take some of those tasks off your list, your compliance and some of the other things? So that's the first possible scenario. The second is, can you get somebody part-time? So you don't have to get them full-time. It could be you hire somebody, it could be another mom who wants to work four hours a day and they come and work for you and they take care of compliance. They take care of like, you know, document prep, all this stuff, the paperwork stuff that you labeling stuff so that you can do the other parts of the business. That's the fastest way for you to actually get to a hundred mortgages. By the way, like when people come into our academy and we train them and they're stuck at that sort of a certain volume year after year, what we do is we get them to map out their customer journey. So that's everything that kind of first contact sounds like you're pretty organized all the way through all the steps. You map that out. That's your recipe. And then when you hire a person, you just start training them on the steps that you're like, I'm going to teach you this, 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 and gradually get them to do those tasks. Right. Um, and the scary part about hiring somebody is like, am I going to be able to afford them? I don't know how busy you are right now, but if you could get two hours a day back, so 10 hours a week, do you think you could go out and find one more mortgage a month?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, so that's, and that's how, that's, how so I you have to think about it.
1: about it. If you have somebody working for you three, four hours a day, you will get two hours, not right away because there's going to be a learning curve, but you will get yeah. back a couple hours a day, which will actually cost you money not to bring them on. And so the other thing I'd say when it comes to part-time is don't let them work like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Don't be like, because the problem is, is then Tuesday, Thursday, you do their job. And then you're going to be like, why am I paying you? You need to be like, I can rely on you from this time to this time. Maybe they catch your phone calls for that time. So you can get some work done. Maybe they, whatever, have them block that out. And then eventually you can work up to like a a full-time client care person. But I would say for you, the best way for you to do 75 or 80 mortgages next year and do it with less stress would be to get some support. And step one could just be sharing somebody in your office that has somebody with extra capacity. Be like, "Hey, Can I use this person? The only key about that is that it's usually temporary because if you're growing and if they're growing at some point, there's going to be like, who's going to get the kid in the divorce? Who are you
0: working for? Yeah. And
1: if you want the kid in the divorce, I'm just being honest, (laughs) make sure that you treat that person really good. So they want to come to you. Like, uh, so basically if you share somebody, it's usually temporary, but it's a great, like a baby step that you don't have to you know make this big of a financial commitment and then the last thing i would say is that let's say you hire somebody for 20 bucks an hour so that's 40 grand a year but you only hire them for 20 hours a week that's 20 grand a year you're only writing checks every two weeks so you're not writing the full check so you don't think in your mind that was like oh my gosh i gotta come up with this money you just need to come up with the money for two weeks it's like i gotta make them pay and if for some reason it didn't work and if all of a sudden that mortgage just stopped it's life as you know, and if you had to lay them off, that's, but yeah. you know, so you can't control these things, but you're going to find that that's probably the fastest way for you to next year. But we chat again in a year from now and you're like, Hey Scott, I did hundred mortgages. If you try to do it without help, you're going to work yourself half to death. And I'd encourage you to like get some support. So that's what I would say to that. Does that make sense?
0: Yes thank you
1: okay well hey it's been awesome to (laughs) get to chat with you it's exciting to see you make this transition so quickly from your previous career I think we were chatting earlier and I'd said that my daughter my youngest wants to be a hairstylist and so for Christmas we bought one of those doll heads and have you ever seen the show Yellowstone
0: yeah so
1: I convinced her to name the thing this doll looks like Beth from Yellowstone she doesn't she never watched Yellowstone and I'm like so I'm like this is Beth she's doing her hair and doing extensions and stuff and so I think it's great I do have a follow-up question on this. So when you went to school for your hairstyling, how long did that take you compared to how long it took you to do your mortgage course?
0: So hairstyling school was actually the way I did it. I mean, you can go to college. I went to a private school because I wanted to get it done quickly, but it's 10 months, Monday to Friday, no real breaks. It's all hours-based. So if you miss a day, you have to stay a day longer. So the graduations are all staggered. And it's like, or at least it was, it was like $10,000 for 10 months. Like, you know, you didn't miss time. You I, were there. I, And I often
1: say you, we get paid like surgeons, but we have less training than a hairstylist because a hairstylist, they all spend 10 months to learn their job. And like the mortgage business is not, you know, Well, we don't and have, then
0: you have to apprenticeship, right? Which we do too. But I think that's what's scary for new agents is all of a sudden you have the responsibility of like someone's most biggest financial commitment. And you've had like a flash in the pan of education, like
1: it's a sliver and you could get sued like the thing oh, is is that you know down. like people get pretty upset if you make mistakes in this industry it's not like we're talking a couple hundred bucks or you send it back to amazon it's like it's yeah. big numbers and so yeah you, there is risk for sure in it um mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome okay so hey it's been awesome to get to chat with you jessica congrats on your, all of your success and i'll have you back on again at some point when you're just crushing whatever you're doing so thanks for chatting
0: yeah. thanks scott
1: Thanks again for listening to this episode. And uh, if you found that story with Jessica inspiring, I know I did. I love it when somebody just jumps in both feet is willing to, you know, be uncomfortable, put themselves out there and, you know, made a transition like Jessica from one career into another and is totally succeeding and crushing it. We can help you. So if you go to rookie to rockstar.ca, we have an entire program designed around helping new agents find and fund their first 10 mortgages. So it's completely outlined. We literally every single day, the first hundred days, we give you very specific things to do. Today, day one, day two, day three, training every day. Check that out, rockstar.ca, And thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I
0: Love Mortgage Brokering production.